Hi, and welcome to an episode of the Unbundled Audiologist. Today, we have Dr. Maria Morrison from Geneva Hearing Center with us today. And I said center, I meant services, my bad. So tell me a little bit about Geneva Hearing Services. Sure. So we are a private practice and we are located about an hour west of Chicago. And the office is owned and operated by myself and another audiologist, Rich Bickbick. Um, we opened back in 2006 and we started out primarily just adult hearing aids and very quickly grew from there. We added on a school district contract, the second largest school district in Illinois. We take care of all their FM services and do all the testing for the kids that don't pass the screenings at school. We added on um, some hearing conservation. Um, so just kind of snowballed. Um, we tried vestibular, it did not stick for us, so we no longer offer that. Um, but yes, we have our, we have, you know, our hands in a few different things. It's good. Yeah. yeah. So somebody like me, I'm, that that's totally new. Like when you got into the the school, con, the, the, the testing the kids, like how did that come about? Did that fall <laughs> in your lap? Did you guys go after that? Tell totally fell into our lap. We were doing an open house and a woman had brought her neighbor in. And the woman who brought the neighbor in was the secretary to the Department of Special Education at the school. And she really loved us. She loved the presentation. She said, oh, do you guys work with kids? And, you know, um, we currently are contracted with Northern Illinois Associates and NIA provided everything. They provided PT, OT, speech, audiology. They kind of did everything. And the school district was like, it's costing us way too much money. We're going to break that contract. And then we're just going to hire all those people to be employees for ourselves, but not audiology. They hmm. didn't want to have their own... Uh, they said eventually they were going to have their own audiologist. And so we uh, filled out the paperwork, we submitted our plan, and then we actually like gave them the building blocks to create their own clinic. Like, this is the equipment that you need to get, this is how much it's gonna cost, this is the upkeep that's needed. And they were like, nope, mm -mm, we're just gonna continue contracting that out. So that's been, I think, since 07. It was uh, fairly recently after we opened. Um, so that's been working really well. Um, the kids, of course, are a different clinical skill than adults. And so that has been fun to have at the office. So the booth behind me is our smallest booth that we actually recently just got when we expanded. We have two really big, I think they're six by six booths so that we can do VRA and everything. Nice. So then yeah. did you look at going after other school districts or is where <laughs> you're located just kind of like, it wouldn't so, make sense to go after? Um, I say yes, we have, but we really haven't. You know, like you say you're gonna do something and you kinda, like you make one contact and then you just let it fizzle, like that's really what we've done. Um, but we are making it more of a point this year. Um, and we're really just talking to our current contacts at the school district that we have now. You know, do you know of any other districts that are in need of audiology or maybe aren't happy with their current provider that would be interested in, in talking with us. And what's nice about us as being a private practice is they get services through the summer. Mm -hmm. Whereas most like NIA and SASET and other areas in Illinois, they close for the summer. And so um, that's one of the selling points for us. And so our district loves, well, not with COVID last year, but typically really love the fact that they could still provide FM equipment to their hearing impaired kids through the summer, which a lot of the kids in our district go to summer school. It's a very low income area that we that we help. So it's really nice to have that ability. So when you submitted your proposal, how did you go about figuring out what you were gonna charge? 
Um, so Rich, Rich, my partner years ago, worked for NIA like as a student. So he had some exposure to educational audiology. I had none. And we pretty much were like, well, it costs us this much per hour to be open. And this is how many hours it would take us. And he's there two days a week at the schools. It's a, it's a lot of schools he visits. So it takes two days a week. Um, and then, you know, approximately how many kids we would test a year. I mean, that's really how we did it. Um, and so far it's been working out. <laughs> okay. So this is totally self-serving. <laughs> so like, is he taking an audiometer in with him? Is everything portable? No. Um, so all the testing gets done here at the office. Oh. Families do come to the office for the testing, but he's out at the schools two days a week, um, servicing the FM equipment. Um, he could tell you off the top of his head, but I think we have something like 30 or 40 plus microphones like 80 receivers, a bunch of loaner hearing aids. Um, there's just, there's a lot of equipment that's out there. So just a lot of kids that are in need. And so um, he's out there taking care of all those issues. And it's been really weird with COVID, um, mm -hmm. you know, A, B schedule. You think the kid's supposed to be in, but then they flip the schedule, but they didn't tell us. So he goes to the school to see the child and the child's not there. They're at home e-learning that day. You know, it's just been, this year has been really weird. Oh, okay, so I could totally, I have like 30 other questions, but I, <laughs> <laughs> now I just know who Anytime. to follow up yeah. with on this. Um, yeah. But, you know, I still think it does speak to bundling. So, but you're or unbundling or, you know, you talked about your break. Yeah. So are you billing like a yearly contract? Is this Perfect. per child? Yeah. Does it? When we first started with them, they were bundled with NIA. They paid one price and they got all their services and they made it very clear. Like, we do not want to do that. We want to know exactly what we're paying for each time. And so the first, I want to say three years, we were unbundled with them. Um, and then they got tired of getting a bill later in, in the year because now more kids are added. And so that's more equipment that they're renting out and, um, so then they said, well, why don't you, why don't you get us a bundled number and we'll, we'll see how that looks. And it's been fine since. So now it's bundled for us. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Very cool. Yeah. Very cool. Um, okay. So kind of the same thing here in conservation. What got you into that? How did Again, that fell into our lap. Um, the nurse at a packaging plant brought her dad in um, to get his current hearing aids cleaned and uh, loved us and said, you know, we already, um, it is, uh, it's right now it's called international paper. I forget what it was called, Wirehouser or something when we first started with them, but they're nationwide. They're huge. They have plants all over the U.S. And so there's about three plants in our close vicinity. And she said, you know, we already work with Examinetics, you know, they bring the big truck and do all the testing. But for those that have a shift, or for those that miss that, you know, they're on vacation or whatever, would you be interested in doing that? Yeah, we could do that. And then we started talking about um, different types of ear molds and custom plugs. Would you be able to, yeah, we can do that. So then we started doing that for them too. So that's been fun. Um, again, a whole nother mixed bag when you go into a packaging plant with a bunch of guys, you know, to get ear mold impressions and you say, it's gonna feel kind of cold and slippery going in your ear. Jesus Christ, you know? <laughs> Think before you speak, Maria. Um, <laughs> but it's it's good. It, again, it's a different skill set, kind of keeps you on your toes. Um, I had no uh, formal training of KHOC, you know, and so we actually, Rich and I paid to take the course that like, you know, nurses and techs take. 
um, because we we wanted to make sure that we understood the rules when talking about like threshold ships and whatnot. So yeah, that's been fun. Mm. So they all fell in your lap, but you were kind yeah. of, open. I mean, really had to be open and yeah. have the ability. I would agree. you have to be open and willing to try something new and learn, right? Because, you know, I had no knowledge of FM systems or very little knowledge of hearing protection and sound level meters and things like that when, uh, when we were presented with this, but we were wanting to grow and we were looking for other re avenues of revenue. So why not check it out? And it doesn't, insurance is not involved. It's like the best thing ever, right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> for sure. Very cool, good. Okay, so tell me about, have you guys always been unbundled? Were you bundled, so, were you partial? Where are you sitting right now? We're more of a hybrid right now, I would say. So um, what we do is, you know, in regards to hearing aids, after we've done the whole evaluation, we've done our functional hearing assessment, we figured out, you know, what's gonna be the best device for the patient. We have a placemat for each level of technology. And so then on the placemat, there's three different ways that they can obtain that treatment. So, you know, we say, because you told us this and your hearing loss looks like this, active level treatment is, is what's recommended for you. And here's three different ways that you can obtain that. You can do an itemized program where the devices have a three-year warranty, our services are only included for 75 days, and then you have to pay for services after, or you could buy a service plan. Or we have a comprehensive plan where everything is included for three years, or we have a leasing option. And then patients kind of choose um, what's gonna work best for them. So then within the leasing option, is that considered, does that kind of fall under full service for leasing or do you guys? Yeah, it's, it's four years of service and four years of manufacturer warranty that, that the leasing covers. Um, we just started doing it. We had our first leasing patient last week. Um, so we'll see how it goes, but we don't have leasing set up to be cheaper because it's four years you know, you're getting more services, so you should have to, it's gonna be more money. And then you have those financing charges on, on it afterwards. Um, but patients like that lower monthly payment, you know. Yeah. yeah. So I like you, you're basically putting it all up front. So within yeah. the, in the treatment process, it's just part of the spiel. So what I'm hearing you say is that you're not really talking, you're not spending the time talking about different tech levels. You're more spending the time talking about treatment options. We do. So, um, in our functional hearing assessment, we determine what tech level is gonna be best for them based on their lifestyle and the difficulties and what environments are most important to them. And then once we know what tech level is appropriate, then we go over, okay, so this is the treatment process that's gonna be needed for you. Um, and then here's the three ways that you can obtain that, what's gonna work best for you and your family. And how long would you say have you, have you offered this hybrid approach? We just started this probably December-ish. Oh, relatively new. That relatively new. We've kind of we've always had that, right? We've always had the three options, but we never had a way of really explaining or like presenting it. It was always, you know, we have this and we have this, and then we're like scratching it down on a sheet of paper. It was terrible, right? Um, and then we thought, you know, we really should have a better way to present <laughs> this to our patients to make it easier for people to understand. And so, um, and so that's been working really well for us, actually doing it this way. Any, any concept of percentage of patients that pick one versus the other, or do you find it's- so I would higher? say, uh, well, again, leasing has been very few. We've only had one. Um, I would say we're probably 80 to 85% comprehensive. 
and the rest being the itemized. We are fortunate to be in an affluent area and we are not contracted really with any insurances. We just, just got credentialed with UH Hearing, um, which oh, okay. is a, yep. a study of the <laughs> yeah, United. Um, and the reason we did that is because we have a ton of patients that have their really good benefits where UH Hearing pays 100% of the premium product every two years, they get brand new hearing aids and there's zero out-of-pocket cost for the patient. And so, and this has been for several years now, and we tell patients, well, go to the other office, go get your hearing aids, get your three visits included after your trial period. And then if you're unhappy with their services, you can come back to us, right? They don't come back to us, you know? Um, or if they did, they were only coming back to us for their services after those three. So it's about a year, year and a half long, we'd have their services, and then they'd go back to that other facility to get their new set of hearing aids. And so we just uh, signed up with them. We have our first patient um, fitting next week. Um, yeah, we didn't we didn't want to join, but we were losing. I mean, we counted. I think it was in a course of three months, like twenty patients we lost to mm -hmm. um, this. And the majority of them were our current patients that were getting ready to upgrade, but now had this benefit, and we were losing them. It wasn't even like new patients. So we were like, this is crazy. Let's see what we can do and we'll see how it goes. Is this that that benefit that's the that was the Illinois twenty five hundred dollar man yeah. per device thing? Mm -hmm. And so that's being yep. some of us under UHC hearing. Yep. Interesting. Yeah. I mean, I guess the positive thing, because I like to focus on the positive, yeah. is that because they have that, I'm assuming then they're able to get you're you're saying they're getting the top tier. They're getting yeah, the top you can't tier. even talk technology with them because they yeah. have zero out of pocket cost. Um, the fitting fee that we get is $700 per year. So it's $1,400. So essentially we should be getting $1,400 every other year for these patients because they can get new hearing aids. Mm -hmm. um, and it's funny because their warranties for three years and we were asking them, well, what if they chose not to get new hearing aids and now their warranty's up and they need a repair? Well, no, we would just tell you to get them new hearing aids. We're not going to pay for a repair. So it's, weird that they don't have a system because you would think insurance would want to make money and you would save money by repairing a hearing aid versus buying them new ones, but they don't have a system set up for repairs. Yeah. And I'm wondering if some somebody's going to get smart at some point, right? And I, I would think there would be some type of I don't know, regulation in place where they're like, you because not everybody needs hearing aids every two years. No, who needs, nobody needs that's, hearing aids every I mean, two years. Like, I think crazy. they would have to have some yeah. like a guideline eventually yeah. Yeah. to put into place to say this is what needs to happen. So at least with UHC hearing, for those that don't know, is you're, you're basically seeing them as many times as they need to within that trial period, the 45-day evaluation period. And then after that, they're allowed to get three visits um, use it or lose it within that first year. And then after that first year, you can charge your usual, usual and customary. Like they don't have a cap on what you can charge, which helps for, for bundled. So, you know, one could argue if you really wanted to, hey, if I'm doing probe mic measures and maybe I only see them for one or two visits in the 45 days, right. and you look in your billable hour, if your billable hour is reasonable then you're not going to lose money, right. potentially even make money. Yeah. And I want to say something like 
95% of our patients move forward with extended service plans. And so if those patients then do the service plan, um, that's an additional revenue that we would get. So we'll see. Um, it'll be interesting. Yeah, it'll be like anything else. You have to reevaluate and see, are you, exactly. yeah. are you losing money, yeah. making money? I feel like I saw a statistic, a statistic somewhere that said if you if your billable hour is over 250, Whew. then that would be difficult. As, as a business, yeah. you're, you're probably going to be struggling anyway. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I can't remember where I read that. I'm going to start writing yeah. this stuff down. I just, I just remember reading the 80-20 rule, right? 80% should be self-pay, 20% should be insurance. So where that came from, I don't know, but that's what I'm sticking in my head. And so that's what we're paying attention to on the schedule to yeah. see how that goes. But I, I just got an email today. United Hearing is referring a patient to us that has that beautiful benefit where they pay zero out of pocket. Um, yeah, so. Yeah, and I really just, I don't know how as a profession we could overcome yeah. Hey, here's a premium hearing aid, no out of pocket, but wait, yeah. you need to come pay me privately. So yeah. I can't knock a patient. I would want to do that. Yeah. I tell my, when this first came out, I told my patients, I was like, if you were my dad, I would tell you, go get your free hearing aids. And if you think the service sucks, come on to me and pay me for my services. Exactly. Because why wouldn't you get premium level hearing aids? And they're good hearing aids. It's, and United Hearing, they work with all the brands. Mm -hmm. It's not like one or two brands that you get to choose from. I mean, you, they work with all of them. So, I mean, it's really hard to tell a patient not to use that benefit. To me, it's the same as getting a veteran. Yeah, right. Um, do not buy a hearing aid from me. No. Please go to the VA. Yeah. Get them like, at the top of the line. They're excellent. Yeah. And at that point, if you want to come see me, come see me. Yeah, I agree. 100%. Okay. What do you feel like was the main basis for offering a hybrid? So I think uh, certainly times are changing. Um, for us, it wasn't insurance-based because we haven't been in network with insurances. Um, but I think uh, for patients who needed a lower price point, um, that was important. We have um, not many, but we have a few. We have level one hearing aids, um, You know, 30 days with a service. It's like 1800 or something. Um, and at least gets them into something, some sort of technology and and good service versus going to a bell tone or a miracle ear or something and and not always getting the best service. So um, that was really the driving price or the driving point. And it was like, well, if we're offering it at this level, why not offer itemized at all the levels and then let patients decide what's going to work best for them? Because certainly I don't know their their finances or or what they have going on and um, and then letting them decide. I have a gentleman just last week, he chose active level itemized, which is rare. Usually if someone's choosing active level, they're gonna go the whole shebang, just get everything included. Um, and he was like, no, I've worn hearing aids a long time. I know when I need to come in, I don't need to come in that often. And I was like, okay, perfect. That works mm -hmm. for me. Yeah. Perfect. Yeah. So it seems like the patients have been really receptive. Yeah, I mean, we haven't, you know, um, we haven't like polled people afterwards, but um, I think they like the choice, right? Of how they're gonna what how they're gonna pay for it and and what's gonna be included versus just telling them this is it. There's no options here. Yeah. Um, so when somebody comes from an, a practice that was just completely bundled, bundled, they never had or heard of this difference. Um, 
how do you, I guess, are they surprised? I mean, what's the conversation look like? So it's really different. We've had some patients like your long-term hearing aid users, you know, those power people that come in maybe once a year for a tubing change or something, right? Um, they love the itemized. You know, they don't want to pay for services that, that they know that they're not going to need. Um, and then I have patients who um, love our follow-up care with our comprehensive plan. And we have them come in every three to four months and they can come in as often as they need. And, you know, you think this little bitty lady who is having trouble getting it connected back to her phone, um, she's getting uh, new hearing aids. And, you know, I went over, well, you have some options. She goes, well, why wouldn't I get the comprehensive? I want to come in as often as I can. And I was like, well, you know, you could come in as often as you can, regardless of which plan you choose. It's just, do you want to pay for it all now? Or do you want to pay for it as you go? No, no, no. I'll just pay for it all now. So it's just interesting to see how people, you know, um, what their perspective is, their point of view on it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Do you feel like there's any hidden biases just deep down as a provider for one way or the other? Um, I really don't care. I, for me, there isn't. Um, I don't know about the, the other providers. Um, the way that I see it is, is if you do itemized, um, that means I'm gonna make a dollar every time you come in, right? Um, and then if you don't come in, that frees me up to see other people, um, to see other opportunities that could, that could bring other revenue into the office. So um, it really makes no difference to me which way people go, yeah. Just within your office, do you see trends between providers? Um, we haven't, again, we haven't, I don't think, been doing it long enough to see a trend yet. Um, I think we're so heavily comprehensive because that's what we're always used to doing, right? Um, mm -hmm. And again, just being in this affluent area, people will pay for good level of service, right? Um, we do home visits, we get you in the same day, you know, we give up our lunch hour for you, we come in, we stay late. So um, I don't think it's a, people, People don't balk very much. Yeah. And it's you and Rich. And then who else do you, do you have any uh, other? Leah Zeman. She's another audiologist. Yeah. Okay. Mm -hmm. So there's three yeah. providers. Yes. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, any negatives or cons that you've seen to offering itemized? My only concern with itemized is patients tend not to come in until there's an issue. And I, you know, I, I'm just a fan of preventative medicine in general, you know, um, you know, I go to my ob every year, right? Like not because I have an issue, but because we're checking to make sure that there isn't an issue. And so um, I would prefer my itemized patients to come in more often, but they don't, they just come in once it's broken. So it would just be nice to get them in on a more regular basis, but a lot of them don't see the value in it. They don't see it's necessary. And so they don't come in. Okay. Yeah. What about the rest of your, like your, um, your patient care coordinator? Do, what other support staff do you have? How has it been coaching them, helping them through this transition? So there, there wasn't a whole lot for them. It was more um, just showing them what to look for, right? Does it say itemized? You know, how do you know if batteries are included or if, they're, if there's going to be charged a visit? So just making sure that they understood where to find it on council ear. Um, because they usually don't go into too much detail over the phone. Um, she does say that there's there's lots of options and, you know, the audiologist is going to go over all those options for you. And um, if you're concerned about price, don't worry, we have something in everybody's price range. So um, that's usually like the extent of the counseling that they do. Okay. 
Yeah. Have you always not taken insurance or is that something you guys yeah. about? <laughs> so in when we first opened, I think we tested the waters with Aetna or Signia. I can't remember. It was one of them. And it was horrible. Like, you know, I didn't know what I was doing. I signed a contract. I don't remember what the fees. Did I even see a fee schedule? You know, it was that kind of thing. Like, oh, OK. Um, and so realizing what uh, the allowed about was and what we had to accept, just like horrible. And then um, the reduction just in like what you're allowed to get for a hearing test. And um, yeah, we were like, no, I think we lasted maybe six months. And I was like, I took Kim Cavett's boot camp, and I was like, yeah, I'm done. Yep. Nope, self-pay. The only people who don't pay for a hearing tests right away is Medicare. Everybody else pays at the time of the appointment. They pay for the hearing tests and the functional um, hearing assessment. Yeah. Okay. So that's really been, you've, you've got 15 years then, what I'm hearing under oh your belt. Oh, my God, yeah. Um, no insurance. And yeah. I'm. you're still around. You're still yeah. here. Mm -hmm. You feel yeah. like you're growing every year. We are. Yeah. We just expanded. We um, we tripled our size and opened our new space on February 14th and then closed it a month later. Thank you, COVID. <laughs> um, and then, you know, we reopened in May. Um, and I will say the extra space is wonderful because now everybody has their own private office to have lunch and take their masks off and get a break, um, which is really, really great. It was... Um, in the beginning of August, we were e-learning with my kids. So my kids came to the office with me and they each had their own office. I mean, we have plenty of space. Um, with uh, The whole intention was to grow in 2020. We did not grow in 2020, but uh, we will be growing. Yeah. <laughs> so for those that are still clinging to insurance, yeah. like me, sure. still an insurance person, where do you get your, your patients from? I mean, you could probably argue now word of mouth, but let's sure. say 2006, how did you yeah. guys find patients? Oh gosh, well back then is not the same way you would do it now, right? Uh, sure. Walk me through the evolution. So yeah, yeah, so certainly phone book and uh, newspaper and direct mail were huge. Um, we did have a great ENT that did not have an audiologist at the time, and so he referred a lot to us. He eventually got an audiologist and so we don't see too many of his patients um but that really was it was a lot of print um now patient referrals and um digital marketing is huge and um, we still occasionally get some physician referrals not a ton um, most of our physicians in this area um, have been eaten up by the larger hospital organizations and so they have to refer in-house um although i was just talking about this on a um, I'm with Entree Audiology's Mastermind, right? Mm -hmm. And my my personal physician, um, even though he's with Northwestern Medicine, still refers to me for tinnitus, right? right? Which is wonderful, and I appreciate that. And I thought, you know, what if I had three personal physicians? You know, <laughs> could I get more referrals that way if I started going to more doctors and they got to know me? I like, I might do this. I, I, you know, I really might might try this out and see how this goes because, uh, yeah, there's very few independent physicians left in our area. Mm. And so those that are independent do refer on occasion, not consistently. Um, but again, a lot of them refer to the ENT. And there's, there's an ENT, the ENT I was talking about earlier that has an audiologist, does not have a booth. They don't have a booth. And so I, we created a flyer that I gave to all the physicians like, you know, we have this state-of-the-art booth, believe it or not. Not everyone in our area uses a booth. 
you might want to refer to us because you could see we have a booth. Yeah, it's crazy. To me, that's crazy that an ENT doesn't have a booth, but I'll take whatever selling point I can get. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Um, tell, talk to me about your tinnitus practice. Where are you, where are you getting these patients if you're not getting um, Yeah, that's a lot of um, digital. Um, we work with MedPB. Um, we've been very happy with our website and they do our pay-per-click. And um, a while back, I said, you know, we're getting lots of hearing aid patients, which is great, not complaining. I said, but I would love to get more tinnitus patients through our website. Like, is there a way to do that? Like, what can we do? And so we revamped the website a little bit. We added a little bit more money for pay-per-click and I'm getting a lot that, and they drive far. I have patients who are driving like an hour, hour and a half to come see me. Yeah. yeah. So walk me through your, um, your billing practices for tinnitus. Yes. Yeah, so all patients are quoted an initial consultation fee and that's 400 bucks is what we charge. Um, that includes a 90 minute consult with a 30 minute phone conversation four weeks later. So a lot of patients really don't need more than an, that initial consultation. Even those that initially might, you know, score like a 56 or a 60 something on the THI, um, after I've talked them off the ledge, right, and I've explained things, um, when I call them four weeks later, they're doing great and they don't need any more follow-up, which is wonderful, right? That's obviously the goal. Um, and then if at that four weeks part, we do have them fill out another THI and I have the conversation. And if we feel like, you know what, there's still a little bit more that needs to be done here, um, then they can uh, proceed with more appointments. Um, I offer them an itemized where you just pay per appointment um, or a bundled where you buy three appointments at a time. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So then how does that work if they need to treat their hearing loss in addition to the tinnitus? So uh, it's a separate fee. Um, so if they have a hearing loss, obviously they pay for the hearing aids and related services, however they choose to do that. And then there's a separate fee for the um, tinnitus. And they're usually done on separate appointments as well. Like I like to try to keep it as separate as I can so that they understand that it's a separate type of service. Um, and two, you know, anybody in the office can help them with the hearing aid stuff. And so, and we want our patients to meet all the providers because I'm not always in the office every single day, right? And so um, they might come in one day for just a clean and check or whatever, and then another day for me to do the tinnitus appointments. Okay. So I want to, I can envision somebody trying to slide yeah. in mm -hmm. a little yeah. bit the tinnitus. Yeah. And I, you know, we might touch on it a little bit, but we don't go into any detail. I always say, you know, we'll talk about more of that, you know, cause I don't have the time today. This is just your hearing aid appointment. I've got lots of time set aside um, to go into that in more detail at your tinnitus appointment. Yeah. Yeah. And I can see how that ties back into some of these uh, UHC hearing patients as well. Mm-hmm. Cause it is two separate issues. Yes. Yep. 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 So they would have to, they pay out of pocket. They would pay out of pocket for that. Yeah. Absolutely. So really, there wasn't much getting team members on board because that's kind of what they've always known. Your team's always kind of known, hey, we don't take insurance. So mm -hmm. what are kind of everybody's looking, you know, what does your front office staff say when somebody calls? Which there's, what's their spiel? Right. So um, with the, uh, when they're calling for an appointment for a hearing test, um, certainly their first is, of course, get all their information before you go into any detail about anything, right? Get their contact information. And then once you have the appointment, then you say, wonderful. Um, 
will you be paying for this out of pocket or will you be going through your insurance, right? We give them the option. Oh, I want to go through my insurance. Wonderful. What insurance do you have? And then we take down all that information. And then we say, well, it looks like, you know, um, you have Blue Cross Blue Shield insurance. Just so you know, our policy is you pay at the time of the appointment and then we will bill your insurance on your behalf. And if you have a benefit, they'll go ahead and reimburse you. Yeah. There and you that, usually it's, I mean, we don't, um, lose nobody, right? Of course, there are going to be people who are like, oh, I don't want to pay out of pocket or whatnot. But a lot of our patients, they don't, uh, they don't have an issue with it. Again, we're usually able to get them in pretty quickly. Um, and many patients have already gone to our website and got an idea of who we are and kind of what we're about, which helps. Yeah. Is this a correct statement? Since you're not in network with insurance, do you still have to deal with like notice of non-payment forms or ABNs or anything like that? So we we technically we're we're in network with Medicare, um, so we do have a um, like a financial policy that we have them sign, um, and we do um, have the ABN, but it's rare that we have to use it because again, a lot of our stuff that we're doing um, is very clear cut, either Medicare covers it and the patient doesn't have to pay or Medicare doesn't cover it and the patient doesn't, you know, has to pay out of pocket. So if we have a patient who calls for wax removal, I don't know why we're getting a ton of wax removals lately. I should actually ask our MedPB about that. Um, like why all of a sudden did you add more money to that? Um, we get a lot of wax removal calls. And so patients will say, well, can, um, can I give you my insurance? And we say, you can give us your insurance, but you still have to pay at the time of the appointment and then we'll bill your insurance for you. Um, Medicare is very clear. They don't cover wax removal if done by an audiologist. And so we don't have to give an ABN. You could if you chose to, but it's not required. And so we rarely have to do an ABN. Um, any patient who's calling when they say that they want to have a hearing test, one of the questions we ask is, oh, you know, um, do you currently wear hearing aids? If they currently wear hearing aids, we don't bill, we don't bill Medicare. We don't bill any insurance because it's not covered. Um, for the purpose of getting hearing aids. You know, they want to get new hearing aids. Well, then you pay out of pocket for that. So um, it's very rare that we have to worry about ABNs. Yeah. And then so I'm, again, making the assumption and never make assumptions, people. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Associations, your lawyer. Yeah. <laughs> um, so like I have uh, my Medicare patient signed an ABN for my functional needs assessment. Mm -hmm. They obviously don't cover it. So I'm, mm -hmm. I'm assuming that falls under voluntary. <laughs> yeah, because it's not covered. And um, we do tell them, you know, at the time of the appointment, we explain what their out-of-pocket is going to be. So if a Medicare patient, we charge $100 for a functional needs assessment. Um, so we, uh, we tell them, you know, at the time of the appointment, you'll have to pay $100. Oh, isn't that covered by Medicare? Well, Medicare covers part of the exam, but they don't cover all of it. And so the hundred dollars is your out of pocket. Yeah. But yeah, I would, I, I'm assuming too, it's not a covered benefit from Medicare. And so you wouldn't need an ABN. Maybe you do. And I'm, I'm completely breaking the law. I don't know. <laughs> I'll be emailing Kim right after. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Though <laughs> <laughs> um, so I did just take her boot camp, So I probably have the answer to this. <laughs> Somewhere. Yeah. yeah. Everything. Um, but I love the words that you use, which is, really that could go for any insurance, which is your insurance pays for part of this. Mm -hmm. It doesn't yep, pay, they don't pay for all of it. it. Be yep. prepared to, to pay yeah. for the time yeah. of the appointment. In, now, uh, in Illinois. Oh, I'm sorry. 
Are you collecting at the front of the appointment or at the end of the appointment? At the end, at the end of the appointment, um, mainly because maybe we didn't need to do it. You know, um, you get a patient who comes in and you think that they need hearing aids and it's a big hunk of wax. You take it out. Oh, I'm hearing so much better. You know, you do 92557 and it's normal. Like, well, I don't need to do MCLs, UCLs. You're not, you know, you weren't complaining about difficulties hearing and noise or, you know, we kind of look at it that way. Gotcha. Um, but uh, yeah, I was going to say in Illinois, if you want to get a hearing aid, by law, we have to have MCLs and UCLs um, on file, which is not part of 92557. And so again, that's part of the, the functional hearing assessment are those fees, which um, UH hearing doesn't pay for either. Mm -mm. So patients pay out of pocket for that. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Very neat. Okay. So you've already talked about a lot of the trainings that you've gone through. Is there anything um, that you haven't mentioned? I mean, you mentioned the boot camp. You mentioned doing CAC certification. Is there any other type of training that oh, you gosh. you've done that prepared you for this <laughs> um, new I, world? I feel um, certainly having um, your people to call upon when you have questions is really important. Um, you know, listening to podcasts like this helps a ton. Um, and then there are just weird one-off things, right, that occur and you don't always know how to handle it. And so having a group of people that are unbundled or, or don't take insurance or do, you know, whatever camp you're in, um, having those people that you can ask, well, how do I handle this? Or what would you do in this situation? Um, because it just always seems to be these weird one-offs that come up that you're just like, I don't know. I don't know, I guess we'll do this and see how it works out. Yeah. Yeah. Like I think of with the tinnitus, like did, oh. when you went through all your training for tinnitus, I'm assuming it was beyond the school. It was more. Oh yeah. Not, yeah. Was there business discussions during that type of training as well? Or is that there something was, that yeah. So I did uh, TRT. Oh gosh. I think it was back in 07 with Jester Boff. Um, and he did, he did talk a little bit about business there. Um, the Tinnitus Practitioners Association, I did their class. They talked a little bit about it. I did the ABA certification and I was a little disappointed with that, but I think that's because I'd already done all these other ones and I felt like that was more of a beginner. So um, if you're just beginning, I think ABA is great, but if you've already done all these other ones, I don't know if I would uh, recommend that one. Um, but I think it doesn't matter the service, right? Um, whatever service you're providing, you need to understand what your billable hourly rate is. Um, and once you know that, you're golden, right? You, you should be able to figure out any any charges for any service because as long as you know how much time it's going to take, you know what, what to charge. Um, and then obviously you can always adjust as you go. But I think that was, um, I think that tends to be the biggest hiccup for a lot of um, practitioners is that they don't always know or fully understand what it is and then how to take it from there. Yeah, where I'm seeing the, the, the lag is we can find the billable hour, but actually assigning the time. Oh, like okay. the, really the thinking through the thought process mm -hmm. because right. there's, there's, right, if you think of just doing a temp, that might oh, right. take two seconds, <laughs> right. know, a minute. But if you're really thinking about, if I'm seeing a patient just for a temp, how long does it take to bring them into the room? Mm -hmm. You still do a little bit of case history. Yeah, aposcopy is there, and that interpreting results, which should be quickly, but yeah, yeah, yeah. That's to me, that's that missing piece. Yeah, that I forget to think about through there. Yeah, um, 
Okay. Well, what kind of advice or what is there one piece of advice that you would give somebody that is looking at offering a hybrid model or jumping into itemization? I, you know, like anything, just do it. You have to, you have to just do it. You can't say, I'm going to think about it and I'm going to think about it and I'm going to think about it. You have to just do it. Just jump in, you know, obviously prepare, um, but you could prepare all day and then never implement something because I've done that lots. Um, but yeah, you just got to jump into it and track, you know, if you have counselor, if you have Tim's, if you have cycle, so easy now to track stuff. So you could see how many new patients did you bring in? How much revenue did you bring in? How does that compare to two years ago with the same number of patients and that revenue? And yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I actually did have one more question. Yeah, sure. <laughs> Going back. So you're in this digital space now mm -hmm. and, and that's your primarily marketing if it's not a patient referral. Well, two things. Do you have a organized patient referral program to where you're actually doing something? And then second would be on these digital ads, what are you advertising? Is it just your office? Is it services? Perfect. So um, with the patient referral, so every morning we have a morning huddle um, before patients walk in and we go through the schedule and we're looking for a bunch of things. But then at the end, each provider has to choose which patient they're going to ask for a referral and which patients they're gonna ask for online reviews. And so um, the goal is at least two patients are asked something for every provider. So that's six patients a day are being asked for something. Um, we have a, a little share the sound card and it has a little piece of chocolate in there with a wrap that says something like your referrals mean the world to us or I forget what it says. Um, and then, you know, we you know, usually it's, they say, oh, you guys are so wonderful or, oh, thank you so much. I, you know, guys always fix my problem, whatever. And then we say, well, I'm so glad you think that. Would you be willing, you know, can you think of someone that's having difficulties that might benefit from our services? You know, if you give them this card, it entitles them to a free hearing screening and there's a little piece of chocolate in there for you because we appreciate that so much. And then uh, if someone does refer, um, we send the patient who referred um, a thank you card with a $10 uh, Geneva Chamber gift card. Um, so they can use that gift card at any of the local uh, chamber businesses. Oh, that is super cool. Yeah. Super cool. I love the chamber idea. Yeah. It's local. We just try local. to keep it local, right? And then um, for the digital, um, that's really a question for MedPV. Um, I don't think they're uh, like actual ads. My understanding is like if you were to do a Google search for hearing aids in our area, you know, will come up as sponsored as well as organic. Yeah. And um, what it says, I couldn't even tell you. Um, and then they create a landing page and then the landing page can take you to our website. Um, but that is, that's all my knowledge of digital. No, <laughs> I pay, I pay people to me. figure that out for me. <laughs> yeah, I was wondering if it was more like a retargeting ad on the sides that show up no. versus a Google. Just I don't think so. Um, I think they're just Google people click is what we're doing. Um, we have um, social media and um, we, we try to be pretty active with that. Every month um, we get together as a team and each team member is required to come up with five post ideas. And so they send me the verbiage and the pictures of whatever it is that they want. And then I schedule it all. So um, there's a just a wide variety of we just did a video. My patient care coordinator today is um, National Old Things Day. Hmm. And so and she has some she, has, she brought in an iron like a iron your clothes. That's like 30 pounds. It's like super heavy old cast iron iron. 
um, that she brought in. And then these old toothbrushes. Her dad was a door-to-door salesman for Fuller's toothbrushes. Fuller's? Fuller's? I forget. But so she did a quick little video about National Old Things Day and wanted to share with you some of the things that she had um, at home. It's uh, Read Across America Day. And so we did a post where um, everybody in the office kind of shared what their favorite book is um, for Read Across America. And that's Dr. Seuss's birthday. And then you'll get stuff of you know, uh, what tympanometry is, what a, what a Dremel is, how do we clean your hearing aids? Um, what does it mean when you have ringing in the ears? And so we get weird stuff that's not at all audiology related and then some audiology related stuff too. Very cool. I love it. Love it, love it. Well, thank you, Dr. Morrison, yeah. for spending the day with me. Thanks I appreciate everything. Me. And um, if you guys have any questions, definitely find her on, she's on Facebook. She's active, always asking questions. <laughs> I am. <yeah. laughs> I appreciate it. And everyone, until next time, have a great day. Bye-bye.